Christmas is quickly approaching. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of sitting down with my dear friend, J.L. Gilham. We had a fun conversation about the villains of Christmas, exploring their folkloric backgrounds. We also discussed the first book in her Winter Wonderland series, Princess Claus and the Great Escape. She even wrote us a really fun poem to get us in the holiday mood. So grab a cup of tea, flavored coffee, or warm cider, and enjoy. Here's Jennifer. Twas the Night Before Bell Snickles Christmas by J.L. Gilham. Original version by Clement Clark Moore. Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, except my pet mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that my former boss soon would be there. The children were nestled, all snug in their beds. I leaned over them, shaking an open jar of lice onto their heads. Mama was blind from wearing her eye mask. I burped in her face after a swig from my eggnog-filled flask. Dad was snoring as loud as a banshee. My pet mouse scattered droppings from Dad's toes to his knees. I drank and ate until the cabinets were bare. Then onto the plate of cookies for Santa shook my dandruff-filled hair. When out on the lawn, there arose such a clatter. I ran to the living room window, knowing what was the matter. While pulling the curtain back, I was filled with dread. I saw eight flying reindeer and the man clothed in red. More rapid than eagles, his reindeer they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer, and Vixen. On Comet, on Cupid, on Donner, and Blitzen. Then Santa led his reindeer from the lawn to the roof. Soon I heard the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. Time to hide in the closet, I'd better be quick. I knew in a moment, soon would enter St. Nick. I peeked through a crack in the closet door, barely enough space to gaze around, when down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His joy overflowed, he was so merry. I wanted to vomit, like after eating a rotten cherry. He sang while he worked, as fast as lightning were his moves. It took all my patience not to shout a chorus of boos. He was as chubby and plump and unobservant as ever, and my plans to undo his goodness were indeed quite clever. As he looked all around and couldn't spot a hair on my head, soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk. A sneeze had escaped out of my nose, but after a quick glance at his good deeds, up the chimney he rose. While he climbed and prepared for flight, I got to work undoing his good deeds of the night. The gifts were flung into the newly lit fireplace. The stockings were filled with coal at a quick pace. Into the doilies I blew my nose and let my pet mouse bite off the trimmings of the nails on my toes, then scattered them around in case of toddlers with bare feet. To ruin Santa's reputation? Oh, what a treat. I consider more mischief, but to the next house I must hurry. To ruin Christmas and Santa's good name, my mouse and I scurry. By now Santa has moved on, and I exclaim as I race out of sight, A ruined Christmas to all, and to all a bell-snickle night. That was absolutely wonderful. I loved it. It was so fun. Now that you talked about that, can you give us some history about Bell Snickle? Sure. So I actually only heard of him somewhat recently when I was doing research for my Santa books. Originally, he was also called Pell's Nickel with a P or Nicholas and Furs. 
he quizzed children on their behavior. So originally I thought he was a lot more sinister than he was, but he kind of would go around often before St. Nick and he would threaten kids and smack them with uh, a piece of wood or a branch or a stick if they got his questions wrong. Uh, so he was somewhat sinister and devious and uh, yeah sounds like it's a little it. creepy yeah yeah <laughs> i guess it is creepy i'm like it's not too bad no it's, that's kind of <laughs> creepy um so but um i thought what was interesting was he wore a long black or brown coat or robe but what i liked the most about it was that in some of the references it was held together at the waist with a rope or maybe a chain so i took that and because i struggled with like how do i describe him because i wanted to be kind of creepy right Maybe original, maybe not. And so I went with not original and I basically described him like that. And I just like the idea of him walking and kind of making these clanking sounds as mm-hmm. he walked, which is not stealthy, but it's a little, it's a little creepy. So it's definitely creepy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the reason that I think he's the, the least creepy or evil of, of the Santa villains or the Christmas villains is that when children weren't naughty, he had pockets full of cake, candy, or nuts for them. So he he could be nice if you were good enough for what he considered good. And then he also would let you sing or play an instrument to win his favor. And he even sometimes collected money for charities. So it's a little bit of Oh, a, so he's not all bad. So he's right. a pretty well-rounded villain. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes, definitely. That's awesome. So you mentioned to me prior to recording that there was an account of Beltsnickel, a little bit different spelling there, um, The Tradition in Maryland by Jacob Brown and printed by J.J. Miller in 1896. Can you tell us a little more about this? Sure. So I'm from Maryland, but I'd, I'd never really heard of it. But I like that there was something in Maryland written about him and it was in Brown's Miscellaneous Writings, which is a collection of essays. And basically, Belsnickel would visit after dark in his uh, creepy outfit with cakes, nuts, and fruits, but also with a long hazel uh, switch. So he was ready to charm and adore the kids, and he was ready to smack them as well. So (laughs) he would come around and they would be prepared. And in this story, he would scatter goodies on the floor and I'm a quote from it. And then the scramble would begin by the delighted children. But the other hand would ply the switch on their backs of the excited youngsters. Uh, but then it says they wouldn't show a wince or yell at him or be angry. Unlike if their parents had, you know, punished them because this was part of, I guess, the game at the time. So mm-hmm. it was a little, a little different. So he was really like the naughty or nice. Like he's reading into that. He's the one making some choices there, too. Yes. And I liked that about him because I don't, sounds weird maybe, but I really struggled with his motivation. Of course, in my story, he wants to ruin Christmas, but why? You know, what's his motivation? And it wasn't until long after writing the first draft that I finally realized his motivation for my villain, for my Belsnickel, is that he wants Santa's nice list to be very short, and he wants the naughty list to be very long. And so in my series, Santa and him originally work together, and then they get in a fight because he starts removing names from the nice list and moving them onto the naughty list because mm. he's like, you're being too nice. Let's uh, 
let's not not even make it even. Let's just let's make it a lot less gifts the elves have to make all year. Yeah. Almost like sticking up for them, being like, you're working us too hard. So he's and very practical. <laughs> right, right. And then, you know, Santa's like, yeah, we're not going to do that. And then they have a falling out and um, Belsnickel's banned from Winter Wonderland, which begins his quest to ruin Christmas. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's such a great story. So when I was reading your book and when I was reading a little bit about Belsnickel, it sounds... I always think about Krampus. I can't help it, I guess, because he's another like right. Christmas villain. Right. Um, so in what ways is Krampus the same and how is he different? Sure. So both of them often are portrayed carrying a rod or a stick to probably smack people with kids and um, a bag. Mm-hmm. They're often dressed in rags and have creepy, scary faces and are the... Mm-hmm sinister side to Christmas to basically compare Santa to the the good and the bad. But what whatever their appearance is, they punish and discipline kids who have been bad throughout the year. So they both kind of do that. But I don't know if I've heard of any Krampus stories where he's rewarding good kids. You tell me. Right. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that I've read any either. That's probably Uh, the main difference there. Yeah, definitely. And Fable did an episode on Krampus this time last year. So for all you listeners, be sure to check that out. If you're curious about the history of this naughty Christmas elf, I'll leave a link in the show notes. So I I love Krampus. I think it was fun. I also wrote a story too. I just think, well, I have a thing about writing and from a villain point of view, I I believe that most people aren't just born bad, but they they have a, they have a rich story behind why. And that's, what's kind of fun to, to dig into this folklore too. So in your book, Princess Claus and the Great Escape, there is also an evil elf, Belsnickel type of character. Tell us a little bit more about him. Okay, yeah. So I, I was pretty obvious with also calling him Ebenezer. Mm-hmm. And um, I just I wanted to make it obvious. He's he's the he's the villain. And part of that is my main character. I'm sorry, my target audience is actually early young adults. So maybe like 13, 14 year old. Mm-hmm. And so I made I gave Belsnickel the name Ebenezer, uh, you know, gave him the long brown robe rope tied at the waist with chains. And then I also saw on uh, a picture and in some of his descriptions, he has a black bearskin hat that's quite large. And I thought this was awesome because in my Santa story, uh, the main character, Santa's daughter, who is going to be the future Santa, her nickname is Princess Claus, like Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's not typically, she's not really a princess, but I really felt like there were so many aspects of her story that related to the typical princess story and the tropes and her parents kind of treat her like one. So they named nicknamed her princess Claus, but she has a pet polar bear and he is huge. He's full grown, but he's very timid and acts more like a cat. However, when he sees Bell Snickles hat, he freaks out towards the end of the story and that's just kind of creepy, you know, seeing a, totally a villain creepy. wearing a, a bear hat and you're a polar bear. Yeah, and, that, so. <laughs> and the polar bear was one of my favorite aspects of your story. Yay. Like that is just the sweetest thing. I loved it. Yeah, I tried to tie him in as much as possible and I won't give anything away, but he does come into play towards the end of the book. He's very important. He uh, yes, he is. Oh, I love him. He's he's a great fun, um, fun animal to write. Yes. And it's funny because... I basically learned in grad school about, especially in kids' books, you want an animal often in it or a sidekick. And so I added 
tiny. And then as I'm writing the series, it's so funny because more and more animals just keep coming in. Like in the next book, I have two albino kangaroos and they are so much fun. And then in the next book, I'll give you a little spoiler. um, I have baby I can't remember what they're called, but it's half polar bear, half oh, how fun. brown bear. And there's an actual term for it. There's two terms. And so that's what I named the two babies. So I kind of, yeah, I joke towards um, the middle of the second book. It's becoming like a, a, a zoo or whatever, but I love it. I love having all these animals getting into trouble. Well, I think it's completely fun too. And also age appropriate. I mean, I'm, well, I mean, I'm in my mid thirties and I absolutely love stories about animals still. So I really enjoyed that aspect of your, of your book. So going back toward this, this elves and good versus evil, I think we both can agree that at the core, most good stories, they are about good versus evil. And do you think that these elf figures were created to balance and perhaps heighten the good characters of Christmas, like Santa, for example? Yeah, I definitely do. In stories where there's a great villain, you kind of need an equal uh, hero. And where there's a great hero, you need a great villain. And if you have one that's a little bit, you don't want the other one to be super extreme. But Santa, he's he's just wonderful. I mean, he might only bring one or two gifts to your house, but he's bringing them to everyone all around the world every Christmas, and that's quite large. So I tried to have my villain be on the same level as him. Okay, so the other villain I read about was the Whipping Father. So he is extremely creepy, like horror movie type scary. And um, so I didn't want to uh, make mine as creepy as that, but I felt like you definitely need someone evil to balance out as good as Santa is. Absolutely. I totally agree. I just think it, it heightens the the drama of it and the the tension of the story. And it just, I think it really highlights the goodness too of the hero character. Yes. So we can't talk about the little fiends who ruin Christmas without mentioning the Grinch, which is one of my favorite uh, Christmas tales of all time. I probably watch the movie every year. Are you a fan of the Grinch or? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And so there's, you know, there's the live action. Yeah. And then there's the cartoon movie, and then there's a short original cartoon movie, and I definitely probably watch all of them at least once every Christmas, and they are fun. I think, like, they, it's it's fun to watch them, but at the same time, when I was working on my Santa story, the first draft, mm-hmm. I kind of kept going back and forth. I'm like, do I want to watch a bunch of Christmas movies to get into the spirit, but also to get ideas, or do I want to not watch any, because I'm trying to make it original. And so there's that constant struggle of, you know, looking at what other people are doing versus, oh, but it should be totally unique, which is very difficult to to kind of balance. And I especially had a hard time because people have so many uh, great memories of Christmas and ideas of what it should look like, you know, and I wanted to include a lot of that, but it's different for everybody but I was also trying to make it original. And so um, well, I think you've, that was definitely a challenge. I think you've uh, mastered it. It's really original, but it also still has that traditional like feel of Christmas where there's this sweet spirit about it. And but it's fun, too. And I love that you added some mischief and mystery in there. <laughs> I mean, I think you yes. definitely nailed it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I so I and it's funny, too, because I also realized as I was I was writing this, I really love. 10-year-old boy humor. Like, I have lots of fart jokes type things in there. And even as an adult, I'm just like, you know what? I realized I love to laugh. And so in a lot of my books, 
no matter if they're serious or not, I try to have some laughter in there. But when this one, I was like, let's just go all out. Let's just put as many um, silly jokes as possible in there and just have fun with it. I think that's so fun. I, I think that's part of what makes that book just, it, it was really like joy getting to read it. And it, yeah, I loved it. I love the jokes. Thank I love to laugh too. So I'm with you there. Yes. Yeah, I added um, later, I went back and added to the book two new characters, uh, Thrills and Spills, which are elves, and they're called Nieser elves, and they're very mischievous. So uh, I, I, it wasn't even enough. I was like, let's go back and put more <laughs> like mischievous stuff in it and, and make it more silly. And I, I really liked them because I felt like a lot of my elves have a personality but these two elves thrills and spills are like let's get into trouble and let's just mess everything up and so they they uh they definitely have fun and i think the reader will enjoy their mischief yes i i have a um character in one of my books that's for middle grade and it's a little tiny dragon that's very mischievous and he says some of the craziest things and i just thought like writing those characters like that that's so fun like i can't get enough of it either and especially at that age group um, in the group that in the age group that you're writing in, you can right. get away with having like a lot of laughs and a lot of fun. And yeah, they're just they're just a joy to write. Yes. So what was the journey like writing and publishing the Princess Claus book, the first book in your Winter Wonderland series? So it's <laughs> funny how I have ideas, you know, I think everybody, every author comes up with their book ideas in different ways. And one of my main ways to come up with a character or a story is I, I try to put two or three words together. And I will usually say what's popular right now, or what's something that a lot of people really like. And the words that I came up with were princess and Claus, Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. And I looked around and I really could not find stories where first off, uh, Santa's daughter, San the future Santa, she She's a female, first off, and then anything where she was basically put in that princess story. So in mine, she is trapped in Winter Wonderland, which is typical of a princess being trapped in the castle. And mm -hmm. she goes through a lot of the issues that a an heir to the throne goes through. Like if you're going to be the future king or queen, she is going to be the future Santa, whether she likes it or not. And right. I, I really enjoyed diving into why I loved princess stories so much and how she felt throughout that process and how she tried to rebel against it and uh, tried to accept it. And just that whole journey was, was fun to write about. I loved that you made the, the Christmas story, but from almost like a fairy tale uh, twist with it mm -hmm. uh, by having that same sort of princess scenario play out. I thought that was just fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. So what made you decide to write a Christmas story to begin with? I mean, is Christmas your favorite holiday or? Yeah, I, I do. I really love Christmas. I'm one of those people where I can start listening to Christmas music so early, but the problem is I get sick of it by Christmas. So I have to like <laughs> force myself to not start too soon. So yeah, for sure. I love the decorations and I just love that you know, for the most part, people are excited and happy. And I know it, it can be a difficult time of the year for a lot of people. But in general, um, it's, it's a time people try to just relax and enjoy family and um, just celebrate each other. 
But for me, I did get a little frustrated. I could relate to Princess Claus because I was writing about it all year. So I kept my little stuffed polar bear I have, a little stuffed <laughs> animal on my table. And my friend Erica gave me a beautiful snow globe to keep me motivated. But I was so sick of like Christmas stuff being up all year and thinking about it all year. And But it was good because that's how Princess Claus feels. She right. jokes in the book, I wish it was, I wish we could celebrate, celebrate President's Day. I'm like, how boring is that? But to her, she's like, that would be amazing, you know, because it's not just Christmas. So, but I do, I do love celebrating Christmas. I did not even think about the fact that, yeah, you would be stuck in Christmas too for a really long time writing yeah. a, a novel about it. So yeah, I imagine you really could relate to her feelings. Yes. Then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I also love, like I said, I love the music of Christmas and uh, I know a lot of the most popular songs are, you know, quite old, but they're around still because we love them. So one of my favorite things that I got to do for this series is I took the song, uh, The 12 Days of Christmas, and I turned it into a silly kid song called Candy Cane Hearts and Reindeer Farts. So uh, that's it. a little bonus. I have three bonuses when uh, readers are going through my book. So in the beginning, I tell them you can read the book straight through and click on the link to get all three bonuses at the end. Or while you're reading the book, you can click on the link that relates to that section. So there's one part where they're singing the silly Candy Cane Hearts from Reindeer Fart song, and you can go and watch the video. And I actually had my friend Erica, her two kids, Hunter and Ashlyn, sing the song, and it's so cute and squeaky and adorable with them just singing along to it. And it's a lot of fun. And then it I is. have, yeah, and then it's I have really the, nice. um, Something else I tried to, okay, so I tried to make some of it original and I came up with a snowflake alphabet. So the elves write in snowflakes as their language. It's, it's very simple though. It's like A is a snowflake, B is another certain snowflake. Uh, so that's the written language of Winter Wonderland. So I actually mm -hmm. created a real snowflake alphabet. So uh, you can read the book and then pause and go take a look at that for a second. I loved that you incorporated these interactive aspects into the book and you've done so much. Um, you've got other videos that are associated with the book as well. And I just think it's amazing how much effort and time you took into this story development and you've, you've really created a world with these characters and it's beautiful. It, it actually so much so that like it got me into the Christmas spirit and I already have my tree up. I already have, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I already have presents wrapped and I have even like, lights outside. I know my neighbors probably think that's uh, okay. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I totally just went all out and had a lot of fun with it. But yeah, it, it's really started with like reading your book and doing this little bit of research. I'm just yeah, so excited. Awesome. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, then this year has been like one of those that's been pretty difficult for all of us. And right. so just having that excitement to look forward to, you know, at least we can hang on to Christmas, right? Right, right. Yeah. And maybe my book or series will be one you read every Christmas, you know, because it's one of those holidays right. where you like, let's do what we do and let's keep doing it. Yes. And, um, and then the, the third one I wanted to mention is I also created uh, a music video for an original song I wrote for the book. Uh, it's titled Snow Globe Prison. And um, that was one of those things where, again, it was just two or three words. And I was actually half asleep and the words just popped into my mind and I got up and I wrote them down. And I was like, that is what her life was like. And that's when I was originally just brainstorming what Winter Wonderland would be like. Mm. And it's a magical place. Why not make it like a snow globe, like a giant dome? And then I 
pretty quickly wrote the lyrics for the song and I was happy with them. And then I partnered with uh, Emily and Karis Havens who sing on the song. And then Emily also wrote a lot of the instrumental sections and plays them. And then a couple other of her friends play the other parts and they professionally recorded the song and um which was quite an experience <laughs> it was uh, exciting it was a lot of work even not not as much for me but even just seeing them do this work and uh it it was exciting too because when you're an author you're unless you co-author it's pretty boring and lonely you know you're just right. in your own world all day every day so it was fun to have this little side project to partner with some people that I knew and then um in January this January 2020 I actually paid for Karis, the girl who sings on it, to uh, join me in Colorado. So I flew to Colorado. Her family drove there. And we met at these gorgeous ice caves. And my friend Erica filmed the music video for it. So you can watch Karis walking around. And my favorite part is where she's got on the Santa's robe. And she tosses it over the camera. And she's like, ah, I'm done with this. I don't want to be Santa anymore. <laughs> and... So that was a really fun experience that I hope my readers will enjoy just really feeling like what Princess Claw feels. And she sings the song in the book so they can just take a little four minute break and actually watch her sing it in real life. And it's such a beautiful video. It's a lovely song, but the video, the ice caves, it's mm -hmm. amazing. It's it's very, very well done. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was my first music video, <laughs> which is funny enough, is on my bucket list like 20 years ago. I'm like, I would love to make a music video, which is super random because I don't sing, you know, but I always thought that would be a fun little project. So I got to got to check that off my bucket list. Well, I think it's a huge accomplishment. It's absolutely lovely. And I, I'm so excited to share it with people. I'll leave a link to it in the show notes and everything else that we've talked about uh, so far too. What's the most surprising thing you discovered while writing your book? Okay, so when I was working on this, I really thought about what is something you need to do, but you hate doing it? Uh, and can you stop and ask yourself, have I really given it my all? And in my book, Princess Claus, whose real name is Noelle, she hated not having the choice about following in her dad and Santa's footsteps. But it wasn't until after talking to Finn, the boy that she kind of hates, kind of likes, uh, that she actually gave being Santa her all. And she found for the first time joy in that act of giving gifts to kids and going mm -hmm. through the whole process. And it replaced the obligation she felt. So for me, I felt like putting your heart into something is the only way you can really experience the complete picture of it. And um, for me, this was a hard lesson to learn. So to be honest, around year seven of my marriage, I was struggling a bit. And I realized when I was analyzing what was going on, it wasn't just my marriage. It was a lot of relationships in my life at that point. And I would say I was a little bit one foot in and one foot out of just so many places and things I was doing in life and I was completely focusing on the negative and there was one night when I had this revelation about how negative I was and how I was just mm -hmm. stuck in a rut and I didn't know how to get out of it and uh you know I had had the understanding I I just need to embrace where I'm at in life and the relationships that I've chosen to be in and that's when I started not just being able to make a change but to see how to make changes because when you're in that rut, you just don't even know how to get out of it. But I had to embrace where I was at before I could even see what to do to make things better. Yeah, yeah, I can totally see what you mean. Having that perspective shift really can open our eyes to the things around us that we sometimes forget to notice. 
And also just the simple things. I think sometimes we don't realize that those things that we do on the everyday or the people we talk to in the everyday, how incredibly rich and wonderful that those experiences are, um, even if they're, you know, part of our mundane routine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So if there's one thing you hope readers will take away from reading your book, what is it? I would say wherever you're at, when you're frustrated with something to stop and think, am I really giving it my all? Am I giving it my heart? Because you can go through the motions and you can get through it. But sometimes there's things that you just can't get through by going through the motions and to just stop and embrace it fully and see if that's even possible and see if your perspective changes. And it did for Princess Claus. And, you know, she discovered herself and she discovered a freedom to do what she really was supposed to be doing. And then she also discovered she could do more than one thing at a time. And that was a big revelation, but she didn't get there until she embraced where she was at. Yes, I love that. I love that so much. So where can people find you and your books online? Yes. So my website is one of those awkward author names that is hard to remember, but I'll spell it out for you. It's, uh, it's first, my name is JL Gilham, and then it's the initials J-L-G-I-L-L-H-A-M.com. And um, if you go to the join section, I have a free coloring page for Princess Claus fans. And I'll be adding a bunch to that over time, like eventually a free short story that's exclusive. Uh, and right now I am just on Amazon, but this is going to be a trilogy once the trilogy is written, I'm going to make a short story prequel with her mom, and that'll be free. And, and that's and that's when I'll go wide with the whole series. So um, yeah, it'll be fun. I do want to mention while I was researching for this book, I discovered Disney produced a movie with uh, Santa's daughter named Noelle. So not only is it the same, a very similar story, she has the same name, and it's the same spelling n-o-e-l-l-e so it's kind of funny that uh yeah it kind of came together it just proves that you what the topic that you're talking about is completely 100% relevant we needed (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's funny because like I haven't even watched the movie which is sad because I'm like I should see how similar it is and I should blog about it but I'm dreading it because I'm like oh I don't want people to think that I just watched the movie and then wrote a book basically like it And, (laughs) and I'm kind of like what if it's better than my story I just can't do it I'm sure I'll watch it eventually but I haven't been able to do it yet. <laughs> no, it, it is a good movie. I watched it, but oh, <laughs> but, nice, but, nice. Yes. but I think there's plenty of room for discussion about this. Yes, like, totally. you know, we, we need more of this. We need more of these like really strong princess characters uh, for our, our daughters and our, uh, you know, our kids. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you so much for coming. It's always a pleasure. Fabled is produced by me, Vanessa K. Eccles, with music by Kevin McLeod. For more information about J.L. Gilham and her books and videos, be sure to check out the show notes. Fabled is an independent podcast made possible by listeners like you. If you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, free books, and much more, please visit patreon.com forward slash Fable Collective or see the link in the show notes. As always, thank you for listening.